the chosen frozen, frozen chosen. Good to have you with us today. Just give you a quick announcement, a couple. Um, we are going to have baptism next week because of the tundra and the snow. Uh, we had people like, I want to be baptized, but I can't get there. And so um, we're just going to extend that to next week. So we'll do water baptism next week. Um, and also, we did get notified, we knew this, but some of you have said, hey, your website has been down. So those that are watching online, God bless, let's say hi to our online crowd. Website has been down. We are aware of that. We are in the, actually the, uh, transferring everything over so that we can manage everything ourselves, our website, and all of that. So that will be happening uh, hopefully this week, uh, and then everything will be back up to snuff. I think you can get on our homepage, but past that, it has been... You can't really go to anything, but that will get fixed and corrected. Uh, we'll be able to then live stream uh, right from the website, as well as Facebook, as well as YouTube. And that is our goal. Again, to reach more people for Jesus Christ and, uh, and just see God do some great things. So that's our heart. Also, uh, next Saturday is Men's Breakfast, uh, Bob Evans at 8 o'clock. And uh, so if you can join us for that, guys, that would be great. I mean, hey, we'll talk about God and eat bacon. That's all good, right? So... Just saying. <laughs> and uh, it's just so good to have you, have you with us. So I'm excited about what God is doing here at the church. We're, you know, in the midst of a pandemic, God is blessing us, and we are looking forward to, you know, I, I really believe 2021 we're going to expand, and, and we will start seeing, I would like to even see construction happening. I mean, it's that kind of, you know, I'm doing that by faith or saying that by faith, but I, you know, we, we do see an excitement and it kind of brings us to what we're going to talk about today. We've been talking about Revelation, and the question with everything going on in the world, are we living in the end times? Are these the end times? <clears throat> and nobody can actually, I mean, that, that's a true statement, yes, but how long is that time frame? You know, a day to us is a, a thousand years, you know. I mean, so you know, we really... God could come back anytime. He could come back while I'm preaching. He could come back 200 years from now, come back next week, you know, all of those things. We don't know the exact date of when he's coming, but we are looking at things that are happening, and, and what is happening now is driving people that either don't know Christ to try to maybe, maybe I should go back to church. Maybe I should, maybe, you know, what if some of this stuff is true? And then, and then people that do know Christ, we need to be positive. We need to be lights in, in the world. So um, we've been talking about that. Um, so in Revelation 2 and 3, I'm just going to kind of review for a second, and then we'll get, we'll get into what we're, we've been talking about. We walked through the church history in those couple chapters, um, and, and Jesus had seven, count them, seven um, messages, prophetic messages that were from Jesus to the church. And we found that in each of the church letters, in those seven letters, there was a couple about really about three strands that happened in every letter that we could we you know we could come up with there was a remnant in other words there was a group in each letter that stayed true no matter what was going on they still rallied around you know God and stayed true secondly that Jesus disciplines those he loves we found that out even if you made a mistake isn't it great God loves you and he's going to help correct you and number third is the book of revelation is all about revealing Jesus that's what it's about so we talked about the church age, and then now we're moving where John, in chapter 4, he gets caught up uh, to heaven, and the Latin word for caught up is raptus, which is where we get the English word rapture. 
And so when we're talking about rapture, we're talking about this particular meaning of being caught up. And, you know, we all know, as we've talked about the rapture and Jesus coming again in the twinkling of an eye, you know, I get to fly like Superman. And if you're a believer, so do you, you know, and we will be caught up in the air with him. and He's coming back to get us. And so that's where we're, we're heading. We've, we're done with the letters. We're, we're getting into some other stuff now. We're going to kind of pull or peel the onion back just a little bit this morning. But if, if you're like me, have you ever wondered what heaven is like? I mean, I've seen some things in this world, and I haven't begun to see. Uh, my dad has seen a lot more. I mean, he's traveled more. He's, I've not seen in person the Grand Canyon. He has. Uh, you know, there's so many things. I haven't seen the Statue of Liberty in person. I want to do that. I would just like to see that, you know, certain things I'd like to see, but I've seen some amazing things, um, you know, and so I'll just go with a couple experiences I've had. Um, when the kids were really little, we were on staff at a, at a fairly good-sized church in Dayton, and there's a military base right there, and so we were invited to their 4th of July celebration, and they put on an amazing fireworks show. The ground show was incredible, and the boys and, and uh, the girls, you know, they were like, oh my goodness. It was really cool. We thought that was the best we'd ever seen until we ended up at Disney World. And then we were, you know, the, the, the castle and all of that at night. And I, I still remember my kids when at the top of the castle, you just have to, if the weather is right, Tinkerbell, whoever's playing Tinkerbell, flies. They have her on a cable, but at night, it's really hard to see the cable. You know, so, I mean, in the day, you can look up as an adult and go, oh, that's the cable she flies on. But um, she is alive and well. You know, she's her wand, she's sparkling. There's spotlights on her, and she comes flying out of the top of the castle, and the fireworks go off. I, you can hear all of the children, adults alike, just ooing and awing. And then the fireworks, it was just, it was amazing. I've seen people crying at the end of those fireworks. Just crazy cool. It is, it is worth almost the ticket price to go and just, I mean, be with your family and see something that, you know, and... Anyway, I know it's Disney World, so let me get back to what we're talking about. We didn't come here to talk about Mickey, did we? So we're not here to exalt Mickey. But uh, the Bible talks about heaven, and uh, it sounds wonderful. I mean, God, God has obviously made a, an amazing place that I don't believe we could even comprehend how beautiful it is. And uh, so one of the choices, or one of the places it talks about is in this next chapter as we start looking into chapter 4 of Revelation. Now, remember the outline that John, that we gave at the beginning as we started. This is week five of this series, Revelation 119. He talks about what you've seen, chapter one, Jesus and his glory. Chapter uh, two and three, what is now the church age. We came through that with those letters. And chapters uh, four through 22, the end of the book, what will take place after this, the end time. That's where we're starting to pick up today. So, you know, it starts here in King James uh, it says, uh, after this, when we start in that chapter, it says, after this. And that particular, in Greek, that means the meta-tauta. And so it, it is just, this is what we're talking about. This is like, now we're into chapter 4, and after those things that we've just talked, we're, we're moving on. And I'm going to kind of hopefully give you, there's so much in this book um, that if we kept and did every de detail or detail or however you want to say that, we would be here for a long time. And obviously, I think we would probably lose some people. Not that it's not exciting, but 
you know, um, there are people that are very detailed, and then there are people that just give me the basics. And uh, so I want to talk about, I'm just going to try to get this uh, into some sections for you. Not all scholars agree, but let's face it, you can go to five different tax people on how to file, and they, they're all experts, and I'll tell you different. You know, so uh, there are scholars that have, because they're man, they have their opinion, or they studied this, or they feel it moves more this way. So I'm going to try to give you the simplest version that I see. And let me just say, it's, not ex- it's completely extensive? Absolutely not. Am I completely right? Probably not, no. I'm human. But I'm going to give you what I believe is at least something that you can sink your teeth into and grab a hold of. And I hope that works for you. Fair enough? Chapters 2 and 3 are the church age. We've, we've talked about that. 4 and 5, the rapture and the church in heaven. 6 through 19, tribulation and the earth and judgment. And chapter 19 talks about the wedding feast of the Lamb, and, uh, and it's talked about Jesus in battle on the white horse. It talks about Armageddon. And so I, here's, let me just read a little bit of that in Revelation chapters 14, 16, 17, and 19. Describe Armageddon as a place of great slaughter, where troops will be gathered, assembled, and pressed together. At Armageddon, Christ will come in, all of his wrath and glory with his army following him on white horses. Jesus is pictured here as a man of war, judging in righteousness with the sword of his mouth. Jesus will deliver Israel from destruction by the Antichrist. Nations will be punished for their sins. Those who have received the mark of the beast will be judged. And Jesus will take authority over the earth and remove, and remove the kingdom and reign of the Antichrist. Chapter 20 talks about the millennium. Satan is bound and then Jesus reigns for a thousand years. That's the thousand year millennial reign. 21 and 22 talks about a new heaven and a new earth. So again, I'm just trying to pull these out. That's a lot of stuff to understand and to know. So if you feel like, I don't even get it, could you go back? Not today, get the tape, okay? Uh, So let's get started. Uh, Revelation 4.1, this is what it says. Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, Come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. And again, we are looking. This is what I talked about. That's how we know it begins. It starts because we're past that church age, and he's saying this. So John finds himself suddenly in heaven, and some scholars believe this is a symbol. This is kind of like what the rapture would be like because he feels like he is not. He has been taken, and now he's experiencing. Uh, heaven. Now, you know, there's people that, well, it was this and it was that. I'm not here to debate all that. I'm just telling you he is giving his story. So the rapture means caught up, and this is what John is saying. I was just caught up. Um, And you know that Jesus is going to return, and we're all going to be caught up or raptus or raptured uh, to meet him. And so um, some, well, they will say that that word rapture is not in the Bible, and it, you can't find that word unless there's another translation that was made that put it in there. But the meaning of that, like I said, the Latin word, the meaning of caught up is, is there, raptus. That's what that means, rapture. That's where we get that word from. So that's what that says. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty two says this, it will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye. When the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 18, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. 
First the believers who have died and, and rise from their grave. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up. That's the Latin word raptus or rapture in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. So John is saying he was caught up or for best saying he was in. This is what happened to him. He felt raptured or at least the taste of what that would be like because he's having this experience. Now I have a DVD of Jesse Duplantis talking about when he had went to heaven and felt, you know, the Lord had showed him all of that. And it's an amazing DVD. It really inspires me. Um, it's just, it's what an amazing place. It's pretty awesome. How many would say, I mean, heaven's got to be pretty awesome. I mean, it's got, it's just uh, amazing. And it gets better because John begins to describe it and he starts telling you about heaven. It's kind of like a teaser trailer. You know, when you want to see a big movie, they got a big blockbuster movie coming out, they'll throw out a little teaser trailer. They'll, they'll let you see a little, you'll get a taste of it, and you'll be like, got to go see that movie. And if there's an epic movie, like my family, I'll be like, hey, we should go see that. And when I, like, I could name a theater, and they'll be like, oh, no. No, that's epic. We have to go see that at a big theater, big screen, surround sound, big nice chairs, buttered popcorn. I like buttered popcorn. But anyway, I like it when you can put all of that stuff on yourself. Isn't that nice? But that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But the teaser trailer is, uh, is pretty neat. It, it is all geared to get you to go, I've got to go see that movie. It isn't telling the whole story. It's just kind of whetting your appetite so that you can see. So if there's a new Star Wars movie coming out, you remember when they... They started with the series. Now, if you had Disney Channel, you could watch The Mandalorian. And that just exploded. And then there's little green Yodas everywhere. You know, you emojis and everything. And you could go buy them and little trinkets. And it was all because of that series. And people all over the world, and I'm going to use this term so it might date me, all over the world would geek out over what was going on. Are there any Trekkies in the building? Oh, thank you, Jesus. See, when I grew up, there was Star Trek. This is before Star Wars. Now, my boys would say, lame, because they liked Star Wars. I grew up, I really, man, I geeked out over Star Trek, loved it, loved the Enterprise. You go in my office, on the door, when you walk in the office, there is a little thing. Right now, I have it taped because my wife is like, Pastor Kim is like, please shut that up. If you walk past the door, it would go, shh. Sound just like the, you know, when Kirk would get off the, and then you can hit a button and do captain's call. And I'd be like, she'd say, you're just, oh my. And you can hit red alert, you know, and I have a Star Trek Enterprise in there. So if you go to my office, there's stuff that meant something to me when I was a kid that I geeked out over. I loved, my kids loved the Incredibles and they gave me incredible Mr. Incredible dolls and they're in my office. Kermit the Frog, my first car, I called it Kermit. So I loved Kermit the Frog. I have a Kermit the Frog in my office. The Batman of the, of the 60s, remember Adam West? We must go, Commissioner Gordon. Come on! I mean, that was all, you know. So, I mean, those were things that we, you know, I just was like, oh, my goodness. But my boys were all, nah, you know. They said, Dad, Star Wars. There'll be people that will be geeking out here before long. In a few weeks, the Super Bowl is coming up. And if you won't geek out over the team, you'll geek out over the food. 
What are you going to fix? There are people that geek out over the Buckeyes. Ohio's, you ever been to a college football game? Woohoo! There are people that just, I went to a, an NFL game once. I've only been to one NFL game. It was the Cleveland Browns. Oh, my word. The dog pound is real. Those people need a license. I mean, it was, they were, that was back in the day. They might be a little more civilized now, but they weren't civilized then. Wow. But I do believe, I do believe that we all have our favorites. And uh, that God, I think God wants us to geek out over him. Over his son, over his spirit, and over the things that he has for us. He wants our focus to be set on things above, our hearts to be set on those things. And our mindset changes and how we respond and act when we, we put value or, or something that is, that is important to us that we get excited about. The Bible says we store up treasures in heaven. If you treasure something, you treat it differently. You can tell if there's a dude and he treasures his car because he doesn't drive it in the salt. He's out there polishing it you know, in the summer, and he only drives it if it rains. We have to get the car in. Oh, my word. You know, whatever, if it's that kind of a car or if it's his boat or, or whatever. Because we treasure that. We think about it a lot. We pay attention to it. And one of the times, one of the things that I geeked out over is, and this is a true story. I mean, I didn't do it in rehearsal. We did wedding rehearsal. I was fine. I remember, I don't very rarely, I don't remember what I, but at that rehearsal, I remember, because I've seen pictures too, I had on a, bl- a black tank top and a pair of jeans. It was, it was our wedding rehearsal. So I'll do this for you guys, okay? It was our wedding rehearsal. And, I mean, we had everybody there. We had eight bridesmaids, eight groomsmen. It was a big wedding. And we had a lot of fun. And it was, you know, I was ornery, so I was cutting up and stuff. But, I mean, and we practiced, and I was good. But on the wedding day... One of the things that happened that I did not expect to happen, I am up front, and Kim's dad is bringing her down the aisle. To this day, it is so vivid in my mind, I can see her coming down the aisle. My lower mouth and lip went into Elvis mode, and I just, I started crying, and I couldn't stop. I didn't want to. I was trying to tell myself, get a hold of yourself, Gleesman. But she was coming down the aisle, and she was so beautiful. And I was geeking out. What would it be like to be in heaven for the first time? Now, if you're on Facebook and they block this out, hang with us. We'll be right back in about a minute. Check out this video. The sacred hall of warriors. No way. Look at this place. (gasps) Master flying rhino's armor with authentic battle damage. Whoa. The Sword of Heroes! Said to be so sharp you can cut yourself just by looking at Ow! <gasps> the Invisible Trident of Destiny! <gasps> I've only seen paintings of that painting. <laughs> no! <laughs> the legendary Urn of Whispering Warriors, said to contain the souls of the entire Tenshu army. Hello? Have you finished sightseeing? <gasps> Sorry, I should have come to see you first. My patience is wearing thin. Oh, well, I mean, it's not like you were going anywhere. 
Would you turn around? Sure. Hey, how's it going? Now, how do you get five... Master Shifu! Oh! <laughs> Someone broke that. You get the picture. What would it like to be seen? We get to sit and talk to the people that went... I mean, can you imagine telling Peter, Peter, I mean, is there a museum up there where here's the net that caught all those fish when they had fished all night? I mean, you get to see, hey, what was it like to see him walking on the water? Were you there when Lazarus came out of the tomb? Esther, Esther, what was that like to walk into the king's chambers when you could have been put to death? I mean, all of these things. Daniel, were the lions mean or did you pet them like kittens? Think of all the stuff you, I mean, we get to sit and talk to the hall of warriors. Oh, my word. Look at Revelation 4, 2 and 11. Instantly, again, this is him just giving the story. I was in the spirit and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper and carnelian. The glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four thrones surrounded him and twenty-four elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold spirit of God. In the front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes, front and back. The first of these living beings was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a human face, and the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes inside and out. Day after day, night after night, they keep on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. And whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and they say, You are worthy, O Lord, O our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you please. The word throne appears 14 times in this chapter and 46 times in the whole book. And that depends really probably on the uh, version that you have, but I'm just saying this is what I've counted so far. And throne is the focal point here. Every part we read that's described is relative, it's relating, it's going back to the throne. The throne, and I love this, is the king's chair. It's, the, it's, it's like, and again, I'm going back to Trekkie, okay, so just go with me. Okay, nobody sat in the captain's chair that was reserved for the captain unless they were at least being or acting as the captain. This is the king's chair. It's the seat of judgment and rule, and God reigns. How many knows that God reigns? So, you know, we may be going through a pandemic here. We may be going through all kinds of things here, and to get a shot, to not get a shot, whatever is going. To, but in heaven, it's not so there. In heaven, it just keeps happening what we just read. Holy, holy, holy. Who was and is and is to come. He's worthy. It just, those, they just keep praising, and it just goes on and on. He is in control over this world. Come on, somebody. And God is on the throne. And so John, I think he has trouble describing 
who sits in the chair on the throne. I mean, what words can you really say? I think the best ever, he uses jewels, things that are, you know, we know there's jewels in heaven. We know the streets are gold. We know there's walls and there's jasper and there's crystal. We know all about that, but I mean, hard to really describe. And I don't know if adequately we can do that. Sometimes when you see something for real, it's almost, it doesn't do it justice. You've seen it on TV, but then when you see the place, and I'm sure if you go and see like the Grand Canyon or whatever, I mean, in the picture, it's wonderful, but when you're there and you see the depth and the, you know, that God just reached his hand and scraped that out somehow, you just like, it, we're, I, don't, I don't know. I got nothing. I mean, it's just amazing. Psalm 104 says, he is robed in light. How awesome is that? Wherever Jesus is, there's light, and light uncovers darkness. He is robed in light. Around the throne is a rainbow, like an emerald. It's a reminder of God's covenant and promise of mercy. Now, a rainbow doesn't mean like what the world means it today. This is God talking about, I mean, it's just a covenant and a promise. Rainbow isn't a symbol for another lifestyle. This is what God is saying. Come on. Around the throne, we see 24 more thrones with elders sitting in them with white robes and a crown of victory. And they're purified. They overcame. And there, there's discussion, there's debate on who those 24 people, are they the 12 patriarchs and the 12 apostles? And I mean, so they're, who, who are those elders that are sitting there? We also know that there's a storm brewing. How many knows that there's judgment coming? Come on, he's coming back. He's going to take care of business. I don't care who's in the White House, Jesus is on the throne. So there's lightning, there's thunder, judgment is coming, and the seven lamps blaze before the throne, seven spirits of God. Scholars say that this is the Holy Spirit, a sea of glass, clear as crystal. You know, when, when God's judgment fire purifies, you're able to see things crystal clear. It even gets more exciting. Revelation 4, 6, and 8, in front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal in the center and around the throne were four living beings again we're pulling out what we've read but each covered with eyes front and back first of these was like a lion second was like an ox third had a human face fourth was like an eagle each of these living beings had six wings and their wings were covered all over with eyes inside and out and day after day night after night they keep on saying holy 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 is the lord god the almighty the one who always was who is and who is still to come so there are four creatures covered with eyes on their wings, front and back. I mean, this is better than Lord of the Rings. I mean, if you think about the things we have CGI'd by the computer graphics, you know, we've done it and we're like, oh, that's amazing. This isn't that. This is just real. These, these things are actually there. This is what is happening right now. As I'm speaking in heaven, they are throwing crowns before the Lord. They are bowing, and it never ends. Holy, holy, holy. How cool. Holy means to set apart. And I just think common words, when you get to that point, it's just not enough. Now, if I could use again, back to my throw of my generation, when these creatures get down and worship, everybody worships. I mean, when they start throwing down, when they start... You know, they start getting, getting worshiping, and I, I would just take that and go, but probably don't need to do that. But when they start getting down in worship, everybody worships. The elders go face down. Crowns get cast. And they keep saying this phrase, you are worthy. You are worthy. So what exactly is worship? 
me give you a quick def- definition. It's pretty simple. To ascribe worth. Worth-ship. So why do we do it? Why do we worship? Do we do it because it, it feels good? I, I can tell you sometimes, how many have ever worshipped and you just didn't feel like it? You, you want to bring praise, but it's just like it is really a sacrifice. You've had a bad day, a bad week. Stuff is going on. You're in the middle of a pandemic. There's a snowstorm. Whatever the case is. You feel, you know, if is it just, well, I, I just do it because I, I'm forced to. Why do we shout? Why do we clap? I'm telling you, we do it because no matter what you're going through, no matter what hell you're facing, he is worthy. I mean, he's worthy. I don't care what you're dealing with, he's worthy. I was just telling Mallory, Mal, you did, because in first service, because of the snow, very, very few people in here. But she did worship as if it was full because we are not worshiping, come on, for the people. We are leading the people into worship, but she is worshiping for the one who sits in the chair. And that is what makes it worthy. Revelation 4.11, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. You created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. So the bottom line, he's the creator. He made all of us, and he is worthy. You know why I believe that God had me start True Life Church to live life on purpose? Because you were created on purpose for a purpose. You heard Ron say it in announcements. We say that. We make no apologies for that. You have a reason, and he's worthy. And when you find that reason, you get all your pistons working together. All the, the cylinders start functioning together, and you feel... And not just because feelings, we don't be led, but what I'm saying is you know his presence is happening. He created us for a purpose. In the New King James, Revelation 4.11 says, your will and by your will they exist and were created. We just read in the New Living, it says it's what made him happy. It pleased him. It was what he wanted. It gives him pleasure. It's his desire for you to fulfill your purpose, your calling. He loves to see you work in the things he put in you to do because it's his workmanship. You are his art, his masterpiece, his child. That's an amazing thing. And it's one of those things when you start walking in the gifts and talents, and some of us are finding those out, and we discover them all through the walk of life, don't we? There's some people that you know they're just really gifted and they can sing. And there's some people that want to sing, but they can't. Watch American Idol. There's some people that are gifted in art, and they can just take something and just, and it's amazing. And there's some people that, if they can draw stick people, that's good enough. And please don't draw those. You know what I'm saying? We all have different gifts. There's some people that are gifted at this and gifted at that. Some people are gifted, and it's okay when they walk in that. I can tell you when, and again, I'm not trying to be braggadocious. I'm just saying by example, I can only tell you of my life. When I am doing what I know I am called to do, I can literally feel God in me being pleased. I mean, I can just feel his anointing in me to do what he's called me to do. And that brings me pleasure because I'm bringing him pleasure. Can I get an amen for that? 
when you are doing what he's told you to do, he has created you, and it's almost like, it's almost like he's got his hand inside of what would be almost, you know, have you ever seen somebody work puppets? And I'm not saying you're a puppet, so please don't take this out of context. But he helps maneuver you to do the things that inside the Spirit is telling you to do that you were created to do. There are some of you that need to just step up and step up to the line and say, God, you created me for this, for such a time as this. And you start doing what God is wanting, and you will feel his anointing. You'll understand what it means. I mean, there's stuff. I got the chance to talk to somebody last night. It was another pastor, and he's a wonderful man. <laughs> I got to talk to him, and they started saying, well, you having, you having church tomorrow? And I said, yes. And, and they were in agreement with me, and, and I said, you know, we've had some people, hey, you know, but it hadn't even started snowing yet. Now, I've had some that are calling, you know, that just said, hey, is, are, we, are we still good? And my father's one of those. And I'm like, yeah, we're still good. He goes, awesome, good, good deal. Because he's just, you know, he's wanting to make sure he can be and do what he's supposed to do. And I get that. But part of what we understand is just God is so big, he sits in the chair. Jesus is in the chair. And so, you know, what happens is people get a mindset of just what we see. Because in our mindset, seeing is believing. But in God, believing is seeing. So I have some people that will be like, oh my, the church isn't doing well because there's only a few people. Well, get your mind past what you see. I can't help who comes or who doesn't come. I can't get them out of bed. I can't force them to get dressed. Come on. I can't force them to give. You know what I trust in? I don't trust in that. I trust in the one who sits in the chair. Because I was able to tell this other preacher, this is what I said. His arm's not waxed short. He's able to meet all my need according to his riches and glory. Is that not true? Come on, is that not true? If we either believe the word or we don't believe the word, so I know that it doesn't matter, there's nothing can stop my God. Why? He's in the chair. Because who's in the chair, who's on the throne, you can't dethrone him, you can't impeach him, you can't get rid of him. It's happening, folks. And so we might as well get on board with this and start saying, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? You know, I know I'm entertainment for heaven. Because I say things and I, sometimes I don't know the meaning or I'm like, I think it means this. And I find out, and then my wife will tell me, you can't say that. She'll say, she'll say stuff and I'll say something. She goes, don't, don't, don't say that from the pulpit. Like, why not? She said, you just can't. It's just not politically correct. Like, when have I been political, you know? So, I, you know, I think sometimes up in heaven, they're probably like, hey, come over here. He's, he's talking again. This is awesome. Look at this guy. So I, I get it. But his grace is still there. And if, and if something in what I've said brings a, a nugget of truth to you and you're like, hey, wow, this is amazing. Do you know that just one little touch from God can change your life forever? I mean, that is, that is the fact, Jack. One thing from God can change your whole outlook on everything. Now, I want you to think about this. And I didn't say this in first service, but this is so true. Sometimes we go our own way until we get knocked off our horse. And because the Holy Spirit and God and Jesus, the three in one, are saying, we have a purpose for you. How many knows that Paul had a purpose? So he's on a road somewhere else. And you know, Paul, in his mind, thinks he is doing what God has called him to do. And he is executing believers. And he thinks he's doing. And then I think God has said, okay, that's enough. And he has that one experience that changes everything.
And then he writes most of the New Testament. And we have John the Beloved now who's telling us in Revelation of what happened in his experience. You see, one touch of God, one little bit of God will change everything. And people will say, oh, you know what? No, 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 no. I'm I'm here to tell you we can give you example after example after example. I mean, if you're dead and Jesus comes in and you wake up, I think that'd make a difference. It's going to change everything. Your grocery bill, your light bill, you know, because you're alive now. Okay, that didn't go over as well as I thought. But you know what I'm saying. One touch from God can change everything. As we're looking into this, you know, I have, I, have, I have four children. And to watch them, I mean, we have did our best to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And, you know, just really in the things of God. That's what that really is saying, in the things of God. And to see them functioning in a calling that we know that God put on their life. It brings, now, and again, I want you to hear what I'm saying. It brings pleasure to me as a dad. Because I see them pleasing the Father, and God helped use me to get them to that point. And I'm proud to see them recognizing the king in the king's chair. Because when all of this is peeled away, it's about Jesus. That's what this whole book is about, revealing Jesus. I I challenge you as we are continuing to just pull some of this stuff back and looking. I mean, just the fact that how many times God is talking about the throne, 46 times in the book, 14 in the chapter. I mean, this is the the focal, the, the point, the chair. There's so much. As we get into this, as we get further, we'll talk about the Battle of Armageddon and all that. But, I mean, we're not talking about a wimpy Jesus in that. He's coming back on a white horse. He's got king of kings and lord of lords. He's got that tattooed on his thigh or, you know, and, and it's, the Bible talks about the bridles being, you know, blood up to the bridle. I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on. But I will tell you, God will win. He's already done it. He's, he's had his, he will have his way. The king will reign forever and ever and ever. And we might as well grab onto this because he's worthy. If you're sitting here and going, PB, I'm not sure I'm there yet. You know what? I I want you to be there. But whether you're there or not will not change the fact of what is happening and what will happen. Because now we're looking in what is to come. And as we pull this back, let's look at it together. And let's not go in afraid, but knowing if we know the one who sits in the chair, then we're all right. No matter what is happening. I mean, we're going to talk about all kinds of things in the next several weeks that are coming up. We're going to talk about the great white throne judgment. You know what that judgment is. There's a couple different ones. That one is where uh, the, the people that don't know Christ get judged. There is the Bema judgment. That's where the believers in Christ get judged. They've already made heaven, but they're going to get judged for what they did or didn't do. If, how they were obedient and all of those kind of things. They still made it. But the great white throne, that's when everything gives up the dead, all of that. And, you know, when we're talking about meeting the Lord in the air, we just talked about it. If we read it and you understand, did it not say that the dead in Christ rise first? So how God does all that, somehow he puts 
that body and everything back together in the twinkling of an eye, and they go up, and we go up with them, and we meet him in the air. That's pretty amazing. That will happen as sure as you're listening to me and as sure as I'm standing here. Because who sits in the chair? He alone is worthy. I encourage you to grab a hold of God. I'm going to give you a chance to pray right now. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet. And let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Those that are watching online, if you're saying, PB, that's, I need to recommit my life. I need to make, I need to geek out over God. If I could retitle this message, I'd probably say something about geeking out. But I didn't, so there you go. Let's just, in our mindset, start thinking, what would it take for me to have a heart shift? For me to start getting into God and believing him, whether it seems, can I believe four creatures, six wings, eyes on the inside and outside of the wings? They're there. Just as sure as we're, they're there. And it's almost to the point it's fun to believe. The Bible says he's making a mansion for those that are his. I don't know where my mansion's at, but I can't wait to see what it looks like on the inside because I know what I like. I know I'm going to have some woods and I'm going to have some wonderful land. And... But they're promises. It's fun to believe. Jesse says this in his vision that the Lord gave him. He was talking, I want to say it was with David or Abraham. He said a big chested man came out and talked to him. Abraham, because you know Abraham's bosom and all of that. But he said as they were talking, there was a shaft of light that came out of the city and was moving. And he said people were saying, he's coming. He's coming. And it was Jesus. Now remember what we just said. It says that he is clothed in light. My friends, I love you, but he's coming. There's nothing I can do to stop that. And I don't want to stop it. I want to go. I hope that my mansion's close to Pastor Kim's. I hope it's close to my dad so I can really finally teach him how to play euchre. <laughs> but he's coming, and he loves you. And the best is yet to come. I challenge you to just grab a hold of this and look at it differently, not with fear, but just get ourselves right. Just line up with the word. Make some changes. Start treasuring what God has put in your life and what he tells you to, his word and his way. And if you don't know of another term, geek out over it. Think about what it will be like to sit at the table with some of those patriarchs. I mean, it's going to be amazing. But we have that to look forward to. And if he comes back 200 years from now, I'll be there paving the way for my children's children's children. Can't wait to see. You know what I'm saying? It's all good. You cannot lose with God on your side because he is in the chair. 
Bow your heads, close your eyes, pray this with me. If that